When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan. Welcome to our Friday edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. It is our picks podcast where we throw out a bunch of prop bets and then we make our picks for the game at the very end. It's Mary Kay Cabot, Doug Maurice, Scott Patsko, and me. We talk Baker, we talk Big Ben, we talk running games, all sorts of stuff coming up. Now, if you're not a Football Insider subscriber, this is where I tell you, you've got to subscribe. Come on, get on it. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. You get a daily newsletter delivered right to your inbox, written by one of our Browns reporting team members. I wrote today's, for example. You also get to be a part of our text subscription service and, probably most importantly, you get access to those exclusive stories on Cleveland.com slash Browns. So you want to be a Football Insider subscriber, go to Cleveland.com slash Browns, click the blue banner at the top of the page, get all the information, and get yourself signed up. All right, let's do this. Our Friday Orange and Brown Talk podcast. And here we go with our picks pod on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We're going to throw out some props. We're going to make our picks at the end. Let's get right to it. Scott, you're up first. All right, so mine's an either or. Uh, who will have more rushing yards, Najee Harris or Ernest Johnson? And while you're mulling that over, I'm going to give you uh, some information. You know, the Steelers are averaging 81 yards rushing per game, which is ranked 29th. All that talk about having to upgrade the running game this offseason, none of it's worked. Uh, they're 23rd in rushing DVOA, so they're about 18% worse than the average rushing offense. Harris has had one 100-yard rushing game, 122, and it was against the Broncos. He's had three games with 45 or fewer yards. So as far as Jarenis Johnson goes, we know what he did last week. Nick Chubb looks like he's going to be back. So DJ isn't going to get 22 carries again. But it's worth noting that Kareem Hunt managed to get at least 50 yards in four of his games with Chubb. And he got at least 60 in three of those games. So both defenses are pretty good against the run. The Browns are obviously a little better. Um, but I thought this would be an interesting comparison because it should be rainy on Sunday. I think the running games, at least for the Browns, are going to have an impact. So, Harris or Johnson, who do you got? So, Scott, did you I steal and I yours? are on, like, the same wavelength this week. <laughs> we did a pod earlier this week, and we had, like, the same answer to a question. And I had the same thing. So, I've got some data that I – I've got some, some info, too, that I that I can throw at you oh, as wow. well. Um, I, I kind of looked at the Browns' run defense, too, as part of this. So, the Browns are third in yeah. rushing defense DVOA, seventh highest run defense grade on PFF. They're fifth in fewest rushing yards allowed and second in fewest yards per carry. Um, and I also did, so Football Outsiders has some, some offensive line and defensive line stats. And I looked into those a little bit. And Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh in second level yards is 27th. And the Browns are first. And Pittsburgh is 30th in adjusted line yards. And when Football Outsiders kind of describes how those two things work together, basically what it's telling you is Pittsburgh is really bad at running the football, both from an offensive line standpoint and also from a running back standpoint. So, yeah, this was mine too. I thought it was crazy. Apparently, 
crazy. Apparently, either Scott and I are both crazy, or it's not as crazy as I thought. Uh, more rushing yards, Dearness Johnson or Najee Harris. Interesting. It wasn't <laughs> just that you guys were in the same general area. You had the exact Maybe. same question. Oh, my God. <laughs> can I, can I? Go ahead. This feels like my, this is typical for me. I might be the Dearness Johnson party pooper here. Like the only one in the entire world. What do we think his role is when Nick Chubb is himself? It's like, like I, I, so, because I have a Nick Chubb thing coming up. I need you guys to tell me how, how close to 100% Nick Chubb is going to be. But if Nick Chubb's playing and like, okay, he's the guy. Like how how do you think they'll use Ernest Johnson? Well, I think because, after, oh, go ahead, Scott. I was going to say after last week, I would assume they're going to give him a shot at being Kareem Hunt, and you're looking at ten carries, at least. I'd say ten carries. And you know, I, I think the operative word there is when Nick Chubb is 100% himself, and he's probably not that right now, coming off of the calf injury. He only missed two games. So there's a decent chance that they're bringing him back uh, in part because they want to have two really good backs, but, you know, thinking that maybe he'll be on somewhat of a pitch count. So I actually think that, um, that Dearness earned, uh, yeah, 10, 11, maybe possibly 12 carries based on the fact that Nick might not be a hundred percent. That was sort of my thinking too, like how, how close is Nick Chubb going to be to a full workload and how careful are they going to be with them? So we might see Dearness Johnson get 10 to 15 is probably high, but 10 to 12 or 13 carries. And if he breaks, so again, going back to that football outsiders thing, the Browns are really this combination of the running backs are really good. And the offensive line is really good. They have, Again, more research. I, did. I actually did research on this one too. They have five guys who are in the top 50 of PFF's run block grade on the offensive line. One of those guys is Blake Hans. So four of their starters, Pittsburgh has none on their offensive line. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, the thinking here, at least from, from my standpoint, was Dearness Johnson gets whatever we consider a handful of carries and he breaks – I don't, let's say he ends up at 70 yards somehow or 80 yards. That's enough to outgain Najee Harris. Potentially. I'll take Harris. Uh, listen, I, I, I'm, I find the Dearness Johnson uh, reaction just like really fascinating this week. And it is a great story. I mean, it is borderline Disney movie. Maybe not in the theaters, but Disney plus. <laughs> like where they put the Mandalorian that like fishing boat leads up to this. But I think it's possible that in the Dearness Johnson fish movie, that his game against the Broncos is the climax. Like it builds up to that. And that's like him walking off the field after the Broncos game is, is the accomplishment that when he got his opportunity, he did his job. I, I don't, I don't know that, there's a how much is left to this story because the offensive line is great it was a short week it was weird 
It's a weird game. Denver stinks. Like he did his job on a Thursday night, but I, I don't know how much it's going to carry over when things start to get back to normal for the Browns and they play teams that stink less than the Broncos do. And they are on the normal prep week and all this stuff. So um, as the party pooper, I'll watch the movie. I have Disney plus <laughs> and who wrote, did we write an early fish boat story at cleveland.com? And we, Dan, Dan, you wrote one of the first fish boat stories, right? So I hope they they buy the IP. It's very big in movies these days. You have to buy IP, intellectual property, and then you base it off that. I hope they buy your article for Cleveland.com, Dan, and you get a little cash out of this proposition from Disney Plus. To be fair, it it was out of a group interview. But yes, if they want to pay me, they can (laughs) certainly pay me. If there are Disney Plus executives listening to this podcast, buy Dan's story. Like, don't buy Nate Ulrich's story. Buy Dan's oh, story. Man, Nate is – no, Nate's a listener. Nate's a listener. It's not a shot. That's not a shot. Just a stray. Dan, I I'm s- trying to get you cash in your pocket. It's not a shot at Nate. I'm just trying to get them to buy your script. Nate, the, I'll uh, share some Nate, the I'll Damon, some money with you. The Damon Sheehy Giuseppe story needs to be made first because that, that's, <laughs> that's even better because it ends with a climax in a preseason game. So I think that's just – that's waiting to happen. We uh, might, yeah. yeah, we can make Damon Giuseppe Sheehy also have a hundred yards rushing against the Broncos. It'll be based on a true story, not entirely a true story. <laughs> I, I well, put this one, I put this one out there now because I think Darren Johnson is going to have lead the team in rushing or even have like an 80 yard game. I just think that the Steelers are not going to be able to run on the Browns. Harris is not, I'm thinking more like he's going to get in that 40 yard range and then Johnson is going to, be able to top him that way, not because he's going to go off or something. Now, the other thing about uh, Najee in this game is the fact that all of those statistics that you cited, uh, Scott, I think are, are very telling and important. And also the kind of thing that an offense uh, puts back up on, on the whiteboard and throws the film on during the bye week and says, we, we've got to do better in this regard. we got to get this guy the ball more. We have to take more pressure off of our struggling quarterback that isn't playing even as, as well as we thought he would be at this point. Uh, not that they can make it happen because, as Dan pointed out, with all of his extensive research, and I'm very impressed by <laughs> all of the research that everyone has put into the pod today. It's nice rare. job. <laughs> um, but... Uh, your offensive line statistics uh, reveal that even if you want to try to run the ball a whole heck of a lot more uh, with Najee, you might not be able to do it, especially against a pretty stout run defense like the Browns. Now, we don't know if Jadavian Clowney is going to play. If Jadavian doesn't play, I think that impacts the run defense. But I think he will play because I think Jadavian is at that point in his career where you can see him over there on the bikes on Wednesday and Thursday, maybe even Friday, and then he will drag his body onto the field on Sunday and play the football game. That will help dictate what Najee is able to do in this game. But I think that the Steelers will make a concerted effort to get him the ball more and to get him rolling downhill. I think we should also mention the Steelers' run defense is good. Um, I, you know, I think we're sort of banking on the Browns' system here, mm-hmm. kind of pushing Ernest over that hump. But the Steelers' defense is is their their run defense is very good. Um, so for that reason, I think I'll take Najee on this one. 
I think that's a good point, Dan, that I do think the system is so good, the line is so good, that the system and the line can get uh, get help get Dearness over the top against a team like Denver. I think a team like Pittsburgh, you need a system and a line, and then you need a little bit of that special something that the elite backs have that I think Nick Chubb brings to this game, but I just I don't know that the Browns' third-string running back has that. So I'll take Harris, too. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with Harris as well. Um, now, and, and when we're talking about the Steelers' run defense, I know they're a little bit banged up uh, up front. Uh, Tewitt isn't going to play in this game, so there might be some opportunities there to, to run the ball a little bit more than, uh, than normal against these guys. Um, but I'm still going to go with Harris, with, with Nick being back and all the other things that we've talked about. All right, Doug, you had a Nick Chubb one for us. So let's stay on the running game here. So uh, um, I'm advised by the idea of, well, it sounds like Nick Chubb's going to play, but maybe don't anticipate 100% Nick Chubb, which means you got to get your bang for the buck when he's on the field. Nick Chubb, 49 career games, eight games of multiple touchdowns in his career. 32 rushing touchdowns, two receiving touchdowns in his career, hasn't had a receiving touchdown since his rookie year. But this is what happened. Scott Patsko talked about the screen game so effectively on Gotta Watch the Tape. It got me all jacked up for the screen game, and Kareem Hunt's not here. So who are you going to throw screens to? I've got two touchdowns for Nick Chubb, one on the ground, one through the air. I'm not expecting 25 carries, but this is a nice like 16 carries for 111 yards, one score, three catches for 29 yards and a score with a screen that pops. I got Nick Chubb two scores. And I think those are regular season numbers, right? Because he did have the screen touchdown in the wildcard. Yes, regular season. Yes, yes. So it ha- does it have to be, if I take the two scores, it has to be one rushing, one receiving? No, you can take two. You can just take two overall. Because, again, okay. I think eight regular season, you know, 49 regular season games, eight games of multiple scores, that would still be special enough no matter how he gets them. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take the two scores. I, I think this will be, you know, especially because Kareem Hunt's not there to kind of take him away. We- we've seen them sort of lean more on Kareem Hunt in the red zone because I think he's a better he's, he's a better goal line runner kind of in close runner than Nick. They're just his style is sort of put his head down and just run through guys. Whereas Nick is more of a patient uh, one cut and go. And so I, you know, you're not going to have hunt out there to kind of steal those touchdowns from him. So, yeah, I, I think this is a two score game for Nick Chubb. I'm going to take the under on that. I think I'm going to go with the under. Uh, I can see him getting one score, but two against um, Pittsburgh for him. Seems like a little bit much for for my taste. Uh, I think in part because Pittsburgh usually does a pretty nice job on on Nick Chubb. I mean, they focus on him and they know that he's going to be the workhorse back and they do everything that they possibly can. And I also agree with you, Dan, that I think that uh, when you get inside the 20, that um, Kareem is better in that regard. They might even end up using... Uh, some more of, of Dearness there, possibly. Um, Nick averages only 68.8 yards per game rushing against the Steelers. And that includes 
last year's season finale, which was uh, probably his only 100 yard rushing game against them, I would think. Um, but that was, you know, when they didn't have their starters playing in that game. So in five games, he, he has, I think it's just one 100. Yes. One 100 yard game rushing. Um, and I don't know, I just, in terms of the screen game, I do think he's catching the ball better this year. And I know he focused a lot on it in the off season and he was very mad at himself about what happened in that Kansas city game on those back-to-back passes. Um, but I think you can accomplish the screen game against the Steelers with your, with also with your tight ends and with your wide receivers. So I don't know that they would rely on Nick for the screen game. Uh, I could see them trying to get their tight ends a little bit more involved that way in this game. So I'm going to go one touchdown for Nick, not two. Yeah, this is a tough one because, uh, like we said on, on Gotta Watch the Tape, the, the Browns lead the league in screen attempts, and the Steelers really haven't faced a team that they're like, they've seen nine all season, nine attempts in screens, and that's by far the lowest in the league. The Steelers also, like the Browns, haven't really given up many catches to tight ends. Um, I know on the Browns case, they haven't seen many high-profile tight ends after week one. Not I, haven't, I didn't dig deep enough to see tight end wise who the Steelers are played, but at any rate, um, either one of those things happening would be something different, you know? Uh, but I think uh, having Chubb out there, I think Doug's on the right track with trying to get the most you can out of Nick Chubb or however many snaps he's out there. Um, you have wide receivers that are banged up, you know? Um, and like I said, it, the weather could be bad. So I'm going to go with two touchdowns. I like that idea. I like him getting a screen catch for a touchdown because it makes me feel like I, I had did some worthy work this week <laughs> in talking about the screen game. Um, so yeah, I'll go, I'll go two. I'll take that. And, and can I just throw out there the idea that we know that last year when Nick Chubb was out, then Kareem Hunt had to carry that workload. This is the first chance for Nick Chubb to carry the load since Kareem Hunt became a primary part of the Browns offense in the second half of the 2019 season, because Kareem played every game last, he played all eight games when he came back off of suspension. He played every game last year. And then last week was the first one he missed and Nick wasn't there either. So it's, you know, it's one of those things, not that these guys have a problem sharing the load, but you know, it's, it's Nick time, baby. So (laughs) I just like, I'm sure he knows that. And again, that's not, necessarily shot at Dearness Johnson, but Dearness Johnson isn't Kareem Hunt. Otherwise he'd be playing ahead of him. This, this is a chance for Nick to be a true number one dude against a good defense. And you know, the caveat is he's coming back from an injury. So you don't want to push it too far, but I I'm almost anticipating he had, he had 160 run rushing yards last time he played. I'm anticipating maybe like a little bit of while he's out there, sort of like the best of Nick Chubb, number one running back. So I was curious, the Steelers this year haven't really given up a ton to tight ends. Some of it is who they've played. Um, they played Darren Waller in week two. He had five for 65. Uh, that's, that's the best tight end they've faced. Uh, I mean, you're not, you're not going to face many better than that. Um, so they haven't given up a ton against tight ends. 
but man, the, the Browns love those tight end screens and they really use those. They, I mean, they went to that well a bunch against Denver. Um, uh-huh. you know, we've talked about the 13 personnel on here and, and how much they go to that. And if they're going to run the ball, because maybe, you know, Baker's playing banged up or Case Keenum's the quarterback, they're going to have those tight ends out there a lot. Okay, so Mary Kay, we are up to you. All right, so um, I always think when we do these, it's kind of important to put a little focus or spotlight on some of the guys that I think we are going to be, that are going to be key players in the game. So mine is on TJ Watt, and I, I think he's going to possibly loom large in this game. And uh, right now, he's, he's been on fire before the bye week. Uh, he had uh, five of his seven sacks came in his last three games. And so did uh, two of his three forced fumbles came in those last three games. Uh, he's currently tied for fifth uh, amongst edge rushers uh, with an 80, according to Pro Football Focus, with an 86.5 grade. Um, oddly enough, he's only got 18 pressures, which is kind of weird. I mean, for comparison, that is 33rd in the NFL. For comparison's sake, Miles Garrett is tied for second with 40. That's a huge disparity in pressures. Um, They don't have a lot of other sackers on the team right now. Uh, The next guys have two sacks apiece, Cam Hayward, and I can't remember who else right now. Um, but they don't have a lot of guys that are that are getting home. So it, it's going to have to be up to T.J. Watt. But as I was kidding around with Dan earlier, no matter which pass rusher the Browns face, he either the best pass rusher from the opposing team either misses the game or gets hurt during the game. It just it happens pretty much every week. Chandler Jones didn't play the game. Khalil Mack got hurt in the game. Von Miller left halfway through the game. Uh, so every time they, they run into a big name pass rusher, uh, he does not end up either playing or finishing the game. So, but that's not where I'm going with this. Um, Brown's offensive line overrated. That's what you're saying, right? (laughs) Is that the headline here? Yes. Um, but I was kidding around with Dan. I said, you know, this can only mean that TJ Watt is going to either pull a groin in pregame warmups like Donovan Peoples-Jones did or test positive for COVID on Friday. Having said that, if none of those things happen, I have TJ Watt. He's, he's third in the NFL right now with seven sacks, and that's only in five games, okay? So he's hot on Miles' heels. Miles is first with nine and a half in seven games. TJ is going to be gunning for him. He wanted it last year, didn't get it. J.J. Watt thought he was NFL Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, Aaron Donald beat him out. So, um, so he, he's on a mission and, um, I think that, that he's going to get a strip sack in this game. And I think that's going to be in part because, um, you know, Baker occasionally has just been holding the ball too long. Now he does have his tackles back, but I I think that TJ is going to keep his streak going and he's going to get a sack fumble in this game. So we had a good conversation. I got to watch this about Ben Roethlisberger getting rid of the ball quickly and getting the ball out more quickly than any quarterback in the NFL. I wonder if coming back from injury, trying to manage his shoulder, wanting to make it through the year, Baker Mayfield will start getting rid of the ball more quickly. 
both with the design of the offense and just the choices that he makes. And I think we've seen there have been times when it feels like he's maybe turning down some stuff to try to make a bigger play. If you want to make it to the playoffs, healthy Baker Mayfield. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I don't mean, I'm not like yelling at him. I'm just yelling. And then this is how he's thinking. I imagine I would try to get rid of the ball before TJ Watt gets to you. Cause even with your <laughs> tackles back, right. Which is a huge thing. I mean, if this was the Hanson Hudson show, I would take whatever the over was on strip sacks, sacks, you know, ripping arms off of quarterbacks that you could give on TJ Watt against those tackles. But if it's Wills and Conklin, I just wonder if we see a little bit of a change in how Baker Mayfield goes about his business because hold the ball and make big plays next year when you're healthy again. Get the ball out to your dudes. Take what's there. Lean on Nick Chubb and Dearness Johnson and like live to fight another Sunday. And so I will take no on this, not because TJ Watt won't be good, but because I think the number one thing in the Browns game plan might be don't let TJ Watt hit Baker Mayfield. This is a tough one. Um, I'm, I'm trying to look up how TJ did against the, I remember in that playoff game last year, he was really quiet um, mm -hmm. in that game. And I'm looking up what he did. He didn't play in game number 16, uh, but he did not have a quarterback hit in the playoff loss. And that was a game where the Browns didn't have, um, they lost Jack Conklin at some point in that game. It was fairly early. Um, and then they kind of had a little bit of a makeshift line because they were already without Joel Batonio. Uh, so they, they did a pretty decent job against TJ Watt in that playoff matchup last year. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say that the offensive line, I mean, we were talking earlier that, you know, the scheme of the offensive line could get Dearness Johnson more rushing yards than Najee Harris. So I'm going to say the, uh, that the offensive line holds up and that TJ Watt does not make uh, that, that game changing play. Also in part, because I do think that ball is going to come out a, a little bit quicker from Baker. Yeah. That's what I was going to point out too, about that, about both those games at the end of the season against the Steelers uh, Baker was getting rid of the ball much, much quicker than he had all season. He was, uh, he led the league in time to throw like over three seconds because of the, the play action and the bootlegs, just like Kirk Cousins led it the, the prior year under Stefanski. Um, just the nature of the offense had him with the ball more. And when they played the Steelers, I mean, that's how you negate a good pass rush is you get rid of that ball quickly. And, and it, you know, it worked uh, enough for them to get wins in those games. So I, I'm anticipating that, especially if Baker plays um, some more throws, maybe not as, uh, not as much as what we see from the Steelers, but definitely more than what we're used to, not as maybe as much rolling out, uh, if they do roll out, I'm guessing it's going to be away from TJ Watt. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'll say no on this one too. I think, uh, I think they really game plan to keep Baker safe if he is out there. Um, and then obviously having Jack Conklin's a big deal. Well, the other thing too, and this goes against me saying that <laughs> TJ could have a strip sack in this game. And that is, it's a lot easier to get rid of the ball uh, quickly when you've got um, Jarvis Landry back, I mm -hmm. think that's going to be, I think that's going to be huge for Baker. Uh, he's got somewhere to go with the ball where he feels super comfortable going there. 
so I just talked myself out of the strip sack. No. Um. <laughs> my, f- my favorite thing on this podcast, I've done it too, is when we, we throw something out there, a prediction out there. And then after we send it around the table, it's like, oh, mm-hmm. you know what? I'm, I'm not going to predict that. I know. I made such a good, compelling case beforehand. And then you guys just, all three of you just shot it down. Boom, boom, boom. And so now I'm like, never mind. <laughs> Baker's time to throw uh, in that game from a clean pocket, which was uh, 31 of his 36 dropbacks was 2.1 seconds. Uh, so, and again, he was over three in the regular season. So big difference. But just remember, Mary Kay, if you're the only one that says it, the victory lap is that much sweeter mm. in the <laughs> Looking forward to it. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to start jogging over the weekend. <laughs> Getting okay. Ready for I'm, I'm going to stick with the pass rush um, for my second one. And this one flips it over to the Browns. This kind of goes a little bit with what uh, I know you guys talked about with big Ben on got to watch the tape uh, sacked eight times in the first three games combined sacked four times in the last three games combined uh, his left tackle has allowed 17 pressures this year. The Browns are like the Kings right now of pressures and win rates and all that stuff. It's Miles Clowney and McKinley just littering those leaderboards. So over under two and a half sacks of Ben, not, not just miles this is the, the entire Browns defense over under two and a half sacks of Ben Roethlisberger on Sunday. I'll take over because I can see a world where the Browns get a lead and they feel like they have to throw the ball to try to catch up. And it forces them to maybe do some uncomfortable things that, you know, in the third quarter, if the Browns are up by two scores and it's like, man, you know, this dink and dunk stuff isn't doing enough. I better try to make a play on third and eight. And I can see that happening enough times to get a team sack total over two and a half. So I know, I think what the Steelers want to do would keep that under that because the pass rush will get there and Ben will be like, I don't have the ball, but I think what the Browns might force them to do, will get them over two and a half sacks. I'll, I'll take the over on that as well. Um, so I, uh, this week I was looking through a, a kind of a bi-week grade story about the Steelers and none of the grades or little blurbs about the offensive linemen were good. They all started like, you know, he has been bad and, you know, he has not lived up to expectations and things like that. So, yeah, they they uh, they switched out three guys on the line and, you know, their running game obviously has not improved. They still have to throw it quickly. Uh, so it is even though he's, you know, becoming more of a statue, it is hard to tackle Ben Roethlisberger. Just he's a physically large person. Uh, but I think I think this is a game where that could, where it can happen, because I think. Uh, Doug's right. You get a lead. They have to throw downfield more. He's holding the ball more to make those routes come open. And and that's how you start getting sacks. Yeah, I'm going to go over on this too. I mean, I I think Miles is absolutely going to want to be sacking Ben. Uh, I think that he's going to play with his hair on fire. Like I said before, I think Jadavian's going to play. I think their offensive line just leaves a lot to be desired. I actually think that this will be Miles's first sack fumble. He's going to get his first strip in this game. Uh, he doesn't have one yet. He's hungry for one. He wants to come and chop down Ben again, chop the ball out of his hands. 
my first instinct on this was over. So I'm going over. Mary Kay just uh, wants uh, to see the ball on the ground. Somebody's <laughs> got to get a strip sack. Just somebody's got to do it. Yeah, and, and Miles, Miles loves playing against Ben. I mean, we've seen him make huge plays against Ben, you know, going back to that tie a few years ago. Um, you know, he, he, I think he had two sacks in that game. One of them was a strip sack. You know, we, we've seen him make a big play. He just loves this. Ben was in the quarterback graveyard. And I, and I think, too, there was a clip going around Twitter of Clowney and Garrett rushing against Teddy Bridgewater and kind of rushing at different levels. And I think that's the sort of stuff that is going to cause problems for Ben. You know, you're going to have Garrett coming behind him, clowning coming in front of him. You're going to have the guys coming up the middle. Uh, Grant Delpit, I mean, they'll blitz a little bit. Maybe Grant Delpit. Uh, obviously, they don't have JOK, so, so they, they got to find that kind of blitzer at the linebacker level. But I, I think three sacks is uh, pretty reasonable in, in this football game. This team is sort of built to, uh, to get after and, and bring down a guy like Big Ben that can't really move very much. Uh, all right, Mary Kay, you had another one for us too. Okay. As I mentioned before, I think it's important to, um, when you can talk about the key players in the game, and we really haven't talked very much about Baker Mayfield yet. Uh, so uh, the thing that I'm going to throw out there about this is uh, Baker Mayfield. This, this, I guess, could be a true or false or however you want to approach it. Baker Mayfield's shoulder, his left shoulder will stay. It will stay in the socket. The entire game, it will not pop out even one time in this football game, and he will stay out of the blue tent. Mm -hmm. Does he have to go in the blue tent if it pops out? Could it pop out and he just doesn't tell anybody? Yes, that could happen. So we could keep the blue tent out of us if this is going to gum up the works. But the the operative phrase is Baker Mayfield's shoulder will remain intact and not and not pop out in this game, not dislocate in this game. I'm going to say false. I, oh. I mean, against against Arizona, it happened on a non-contact play. So I'm are, say are we at, if you say false, are we at a point where we just anticipate this is part of his Sunday? that his shoulder yes. comes out every game. Yeah. And is that bad? <laughs> and, and I'm not being like, I'm not even being so like, can it, can it, can we live in a world where, well, that just happens. Like he gets hit, he lands on it. He gets, you know, hit running out of bounds, whatever he gets jostled. Something happens. It pops out maybe a couple times during the season. It pops out for no reason. Like Mary Kay, is that sustainable? where that's just a part of his Sunday. Can he play all season if that's a normal part of his Sunday? You know what? Probably not because each time it dislocates, uh, you're probably either breaking more bones or uh, injuring the rotator cuff. Each time it dislocates, something potentially bad can happen. Each time it, that happens, you have to have the conversation with your doctors. Uh, do we repair it now? or do we continue to let it go? So if it's popping out every week, that's not sustainable. He's got like maybe two or three more pop-outs in him before I think they'd have to say, this isn't working. Well, I'm taking no then. My God, I'm not rooting <laughs> for a guy's shoulder to pop out if he's only got two or three more pop-outs left. I mean, I, you know, on behalf of hopeful Browns fans everywhere, I will pick the shoulder stays in. And again, 
part of it's right. I mean, if it's popping out without contact, part of it's luck or just the body or whatever, but you control some component of this. You control the some percent of likelihood that you are to get hit. So, so to me, this, this might be the unveiling of a new Browns offense, which is the keep the shoulder in its socket offense, mm-hmm. which is just a lot of, you know, all of a sudden, Scott, you should write this down. What Baker's where Baker is right now in how quickly he throws the ball, what his time is and where he ranks in the league. And then we'll be able to have a comparison for how much it changes now the rest of the way, now that there's been a reset, because I do think clearly he had a shoulder, a chance to rest the shoulder, but this was also like a mental and strategy reset for Baker Mayfield to not play and for everyone to come to grips with the reality of this situation and what is the best way forward for Baker's health and the Browns' chances of winning this season in regards to the shoulder. And so I do think it's possible that there is a, bad shoulder playbook how can there not be how can you just be like well well we'll so keep your fingers crossed if tj Watt hits him he hits him i don't know that you can live that way but i do think stefanski and alex van pelt are smart enough and baker is smart enough and jarvis and everybody else is smart enough to figure out how do we still have a high level offense with put and but we put this guy in 35 percent less danger right mm-hmm. maybe this is the unveiling of that so i'll take very few hits and a shoulder that stays in place. Didn't Odell say that his, his shoulder popped out in one of the recent games too? Mm-hmm. He, yeah, he said, it, he said it happens like all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't know, Doug. <laughs> I know. And, well, and here, here's the other thing. Um, the, with Baker in the Cardinals game, it, it popped out a second time with, with no contact as, as we know. So that, that's the, that's the tough part is mm. even with the harness on, it could still come out of there. Yeah. I'll hard. do it. I'll, I'll, I'm going to do it. I'll, I'll give him my shoulder. I'll do it. I'll have the shoulder transplant on Saturday. There's your Disney. There's your Disney documentary. Uh, a humble podcaster sacrifices his shoulder. Mm-hmm. Actually, that wouldn't be me. I'm not humble. A podcaster <laughs> sacrifices his shoulder for the good of the football team that he covers. That mm-hmm. eh, that's like Nickelodeon, maybe. I'm not sure that's Disney Plus. Yeah, maybe. We if you could have a shoulder transplant on a Saturday and play on a Sunday, there would be Browns fans lined up around the stadium to give their shoulder to Baker Mayfield right now with what everyone wants this team to be. What's what's the title of that movie? A shoulder to lean on. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, that is Nickelodeon. Oh, man, I'm going to show up in a progressive commercial knocking on the door of the stadium. Baker, I'm here to give you my shoulder. (laughs) Five-star reviews. Tell us the name of that movie. Come on, come here for us. (laughs) The land on my shoulders. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Go. I think uh, the only way we settle this uh, prop bet is some or somebody's going to have to ask him if he plays straight on. Did your shoulder pop out of your yeah. socket? Because we're kind of uh, relying on him being forthcoming about, you know, what exactly happened during the game. If he makes it through, you know, yeah, makes it to his press conference without his arm in a sling. Yeah. That kind of thing. So true. That. So Dan, you can go ahead and ask him. <laughs> 
it's already yeah, we got a, a bet little, to settle baker this already <laughs> feels a little cold-hearted but whatever baker we, we found you a shoulder if, if, if you need it okay let's uh let's get to the game here so the browns last i checked uh, on fanduel minus three and a half uh, so favored by three and a half at home and the total for this game 42 and a half browns are four and three steelers are three and three and of course we know the state of the afc north right now uh, the Browns obviously still very, all these teams, honestly, still very much in it. The Bengals and Browns play next week. That's going to be a huge game. So uh, what are we thinking in this one? Hmm. I am confidently giving the points in this one. The, the Steelers haven't scored more than 27 points in the game. They're 26th in the league in points per game at 19.5. I don't, I don't think they're going to put a ton of points on the board. I think Miles Garrett, and Jadavion Clowney will harass Ben even if he gets rid of the ball. I can see the Browns getting a lead early and putting the Steelers in a position that they don't want to be in. And I think whether it's the new version of Baker, even if we see some Case Keenum, I think you'll get enough Nick Chubb. I think Jarvis back is a huge deal. The tackles back are a huge deal. We've sort of forgotten what this Browns offense looks like. And we're talking so much about a quarterback who's just clearly not going to be able to be at 100%. We get that. But if Wills and Conklin are back and Chubb is back and Landry is back, man, that's an offense that works pretty well. That's an offense that doesn't have to rely on Baker Mayfield. So I, I really like this. If only given what the Browns are given. I'm even, I'm even being a little cautious with this. I've got the Browns 26, 17, which is like right on the over under that's a 43 total. So it's barely over, but I would take the over because I think maybe they can get more than 26, I mean, I think you could see 31, 34, something like that for the Browns point total. But I, I just don't know that I see the, the Steelers doing a whole lot. So I think this is a comfortable win at home. That's funny that you should say that. I had just written down my score, Doug, and it was 27 uh, to 17. And so I went with the over on the points uh, because that's 44. Um, so I went with the over. I just don't think all that much of – the Steelers, unless they can take the ball away. That's the only way uh, that I see them winning the game is if they win the takeaway battle. Um, and so, yeah, I, I just think this is going to be a comfortable victory for the Browns. They're not going to be, you know, going all the way down to the, the last second. Yeah, I, I don't think Steelers offense is going to do much. I, I'm thinking like 24-10. Uh, and again, if it's if it's bad weather, I just the Steelers are in a much worse position than the Browns would be if that happened. So uh, 10 points is about all I'm expecting out of the Steelers. Yeah, this feels like a very um, control the football, efficient, just go win the football game uh, against Pittsburgh. I mean, I obviously can't pick the Steelers after I've been beating this anti-Steelers drum <laughs> since like the spring. Uh, but but I mean, I really I've just it's hard to be impressed by the Steelers team. And I, I know that can be hard to hear sometimes for Browns fans because that logo just kind of, it instills fear in you after what they've done to the Browns since, you know, going back to, to when they beat them in the playoffs, even before they left, but this isn't that team anymore. So I, I think this is an efficient, I would probably go with the under just because I'm not sure that, you know, the Browns are going to put up a ton of points because I think they're going to control the football. So I'll go, Let's say Browns 24, Steelers 10. Did I steal that score from somebody? From me. 
Again, <laughs> we're on the same wavelength. <laughs> this is what happens when well, you research one, for a pod. That one might Everything have been just me, like that one might have been just me hearing that score and putting it away in my head. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna change it. I'm gonna change it. That one was just straight up plagiarism. I'll go. <laughs> uh, I'll go. Browns twenty one. Uh, let's give the Steelers three more points. Browns twenty one. Steelers thirteen. You guys are getting to the point where we only need one of you on the podcast at a time to say the same stuff. <laughs> All right. You're interchangeable. <laughs> Our uh, weekly roundtable pick spot here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Uh, again, I want to hear those, those names of the movie where, where Doug donates his shoulder to Baker Mayfield heroically. Uh, leave us a five-star review. Give us give us the name of the movie, and, and maybe we'll read them on our, our post-game podcast. Uh, for Doug, Mary Kay, and Scott, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening.